Our Gospel reading today is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verses 36b to 48. While they were talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, Why are you frightened? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. See that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While in their joy they were disbelieving and still wondering, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate in their presence. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. May we hear and understand what God is teaching us today. So you might have noticed that we're back in that same room again as we were last week. Last week we heard John's take on it, and this week we hear Luke. So before I launch into the whole official sermon, I have a few questions, just like I did last week for you. And um, I will probably put these in the comments for you or something, so you can see them as the sermon rolls along. Because um, they're things that I want you to think about. So here are the questions. Keep in mind the reading that you just heard. First, what is the state of the disciples Jesus encounters in this passage? And why do you think each of the gospel writers emphasized this? How does this story make the disciples more relatable? And if you were one of the disciples, how would you have heard Jesus' command to touch me and see or grab hold and see? Would it have brought you assurance and strengthened your belief, or would it maybe have brought you guilt by highlighting your previous doubts? How is Luke helping readers understand the reality of Jesus' incarnational presence? Tangible presence. And how does our faith that is grounded in reality inspire us toward acts of mercy and compassion to our neighbors around the world. So those are kind of focus ideas as we work our way through this gospel passage in the sermon. So, touch and see, you are witnesses. We are witnesses. What, what does that mean? Okay, well a witness is someone who has seen something. They've been a part of something. They, they've got expertise about something. You've heard of an expert witness, right? Mm -hmm. There's someone who shares their testimony when they are called upon. 
there are all kinds of witnesses. There are witnesses to accidents who may have simply been in the area, or they may have been involved in the crash. There are witnesses to a crime who may have been an accomplice, a victim, or an innocent bystander. Witnesses can take multiple forms. There are those with active participation, those with passive participation, and those with no participation, but they're among the crowd. There's an old saying, you might be reminded of it by all of this, that there are three types of people. Those who make things happen, those who watch what happens, and those who say what happened. Witnesses tell what happened, but their testimony comes from the perspective of their participation. Now, in today's Gospel reading, we have Luke's version of that locked room encounter with the resurrected Jesus. Well, Luke doesn't emphasize the locked doors quite as much as John does. But there is a scene of confusion and a faint tinge of hope sneaking around in the corners. They've gotten together in this room. Maybe it's that upper room. Maybe it's some other gathering place where the hurting and the hopeless gathered together not knowing what to do. They were pooling their experiences, talking about what they had heard and seen with one another. Their hearts were pounding. Their eyes were bugging out. They didn't dare hope even though there was real fire in their chest. Now, I'm not talking about the kind of fire in your chest caused by eating too much pizza. <laughs> then, suddenly, he's there. No one saw him come in. No one met him at the door. No one grabbed a towel or offered to wash his feet. He was just there. Peace be with you. That's what he said. Well, they picked themselves up off the floor and they wondered if they'd ever know peace again. They were haunted by him, by the idea of him, by the blood of him. They were terrified of their shame, of how they had abandoned him, of how they wouldn't believe in what he had told them before, and how they wouldn't believe in what the woman said they saw. Given those things, perhaps Jesus' presence ought to haunt every fellowship worthy of his name. When Jesus appears to his followers, they think they're seeing a ghost. They're terrified. They're filled with fear. Now, this is completely understandable. Dead stuff is supposed to stay dead. And yet, here Jesus is, resurrected. In another sense, Jesus' resurrection means that what he said was true. And if he was not bluffing about his resurrection, we have to assume that Jesus really meant what he said about how his followers are to treat others, especially the marginalized. Why do doubts arise in your hearts? What kind of question was that? Surely he knew why doubts were rising in their hearts. Surely he had an inkling of just how incredible this event was. Sure, he had gotten used to the idea. After all, he did have inside information. But they never let themselves actually hope. So they were gasping for air and clutching their chests while he stood there asking them, Are you okay? 
he decides to ground them in some fleshy reality. He says, look, I've got hands, I've got feet, touch me, I'm real, he says. I've got flesh and bones, I'm real, like the Velveteen Rabbit. And No, he didn't really say that, but that's fun to think about. <laughs> anyway, he's talking about being flesh and blood like them. This resurrected Christ was no disembodied spirit, nor was Jesus merely a resuscitated corpse. Jesus is not a ghost or a zombie. He's a real person. The resurrected Christ has a body. And even if contemporary believers cannot embrace Jesus as his disciples did, we bear witness to more than a spiritualized, demythologized Christ when we preach about Jesus' resurrection. Even as the resurrected Christ, Jesus continued to bear the marks of his suffering for us. Even resurrected, Jesus' body bears witness to a way of being for others. He embodies love. Luke says he showed them his hands and his feet. How did he do that? Was he showing them the marks in his hands and feet? John says he was. But Luke's a little more reticent about all those specifics. He does say, touch me. Touch me and see me. Now, actually, if you dig a little deeper, he doesn't just say, touch me and see. In that language, he says, grab hold of me, handle me, even grope around. John says that. Jesus says, don't hang on to me when he meets Mary in the garden. But in Luke, Jesus says to the disciples in this room, they're reeling from shock, disciples, grab hold of me, ground yourselves in me. And the verb, the one that is translated as, as touch, is a second person plural. So it's all of you. All y'all, grab hold and hang on. Oh, that's right, I'm not in the South anymore. Hey, everybody, grab hold of me, and behold. The see verb, it is an imperative. That means a command, and it is also second-person plural. He's commanding all of them to do this. Grab hold and see as if your life depended on it, as if your hopes would be found in it. Grab hold of the reality of Christ and see not just him, but you, too. See your path, your future, your mission, and your reason for being. Then, Jesus gives us the opportunity to display hospitality. Very important, hospitality. Just as the dying Jesus was thirsty, the risen Christ is hungry. The word made flesh still seeks sustenance among us. So then he asks for something to eat. Like a ventriloquist drinking a glass of water or a magician pulling up his sleeves to show nothing hidden there. This is real, folks. Watch me eat this piece of fish. I'm no ghost, no figment of your imagination or delusion brought on by lack of sleep and constant terror. I'm as real as you. I am here with you, and I am who I said I am, and you are witnesses. Now that's where our text ends this week. 
with this declaration, with the reality of the resurrected Jesus and the promise that life, the life we know, the life we experience is stronger than death. It doesn't avoid death because he didn't avoid death, but it goes beyond death. The implications are as staggering as his appearance was to those cowering followers moments ago. And here's the point of this text. It is real. It is grounded in the reality in which we live, touch and see. The gospel, the life of faith, has to be grounded in reality. That's why he dwelled on this moment. That's why we can take a breath at this point be, before we launch into a life of going to the ends of the earth to tell the story. This is where we start. Why? Well, if we don't start here, if we don't watch that piece of fish being eaten, if we don't grab hold, we won't see. And if we don't see, then we're likely to turn our message into one of only the hereafter, only the sweet by and by, and not the here and now. We might even be liable to think that all the resurrected one cares about is getting souls into some spiritualized, idealized heaven somewhere else, instead of feeding those who are hungry for breakfast right here in our own neighborhoods. We're liable to think that injustice here doesn't matter because it will all be sorted out one day, instead of advocating for the oppressed and working for justice in our own communities. That command, take hold of me and see, is about wanting to live in the world that he lived in and bring hope to our reality every day. It is about living in the realm, the kingdom of God, right here and right now. We are witnesses, compelled to touch and see the world and participate in its transformation into the kingdom of God. The culmination of Jesus' words to the disciples, you are my witnesses, is what I call performative language. That is, language in which the words do something. This scene is a kind of Lucan ordination. He first names and appoints the disciples as witnesses. Literally in Greek, that word meant martyrs. Because of its shortness, this sentence, this you are my witnesses, receives strong emphasis, and it's directly addressed to us, to present-day listeners. You. This ordination ceremony began with the greeting, blessing, and commissioning of peace be with you. We are witnesses to and witnesses of God's peace in the world. The peace and the blessings of God in Jesus Christ transcend racial, ethnic, economic, social, gendered, and heteronormative prejudices. It is good news for everyone, without exception. We are called to be carriers of that peace, transmitting it and transforming spaces by it. We are to reside within, finding our rest within the embrace of God. 
we are to be co-creators of it, providing fresh and new evidence of it to the idle bystander, the curious recorder, and the interested observer, so that they too, when encountering followers of Jesus, may touch and see. We are witnesses. By our touching and seeing of the risen Christ, by our participation, by our actions, by living the good news, by bringing hope to all, by being those hands and those feet, here and now. Amen. Amen.